Welcome to the Prosperity Pathways Podcast. My name is Erica Darshell, your host, and we're here to get your mind right so you can get your money right. My guest for today is Mr. Sam Tanner, a program coordinator for the Bite Back Program, which is a nonprofit organization that helps uh, the community in metropolitan areas get more digital literacy so that they can get better jobs and, and that create a better environment and better lifestyle for themselves. So, yes. Mr. Tanner, would you like to give a brief description of yourself before we get started into the interview? My name's Sam Tanner. I work with Fight Back, a project coordinator. We close the digital divide. There's a lot of digital redlining going around. You have lower households that have to pay more or might not even have any type of broadband. And we try to close that gap. We try to get them better programs in their areas and more affordable. That's what we do with Bite Back. As far as myself, I call myself an expert more or less in life. You know, I don't have no one set degrees. I do have a business degree and I have a degree in I, but my background's a little bit different than a lot of backgrounds. I've been incarcerated, I've been homeless, and I've been through life. I've also been in the corporate settings, in nonprofit settings, and I've owned a few businesses myself. So I try to take all of that knowledge that I've gotten throughout the years, put it together and make change. My first question for you is, can you share with us the story behind your journey from experiencing homelessness and separation from your wife to finding stability? And what were some of the significant moments or turning points that shaped your path? Yes, I can. That's very simple. Great question. So not too long, very recent, I got separated from my wife. We weren't compatible and we both have mental health problems. Of course, being a, a black man with the global majority in America, mental health is just an issue. Uh, but her being a, a, a woman, you know how it is with America. So she had some issues and decided that she wasn't able to handle our child, which is an autistic child. So I took then at the time we were already kind of going tra- through transitions. I was just work living in hotels at that point in time. Then we separated and she went to Atlanta and I stayed here. And that's when I kind of went down a little bit further and um, couldn't really find a place. So I found myself in my car with my daughter sitting in the back seat, happy as can be because she doesn't know what's going on. But it was that one time when it was 40 degrees outside. We're in the car. I didn't have any money in my pocket. My gas tank said I was zero miles before empty, but I got the car on, my phone hotspot on so she can watch Dora, the heat blasting. And I was like, something's got to change. So some key points in that was Actually, I went to Virginia Williams. It's a program out here in, in, in D.C. that helps people with families. And they connected me with a homeless shelter called the Sterling. And this shelter was great. They helped me with a lot of resources and everything. And they were the people who introduced me to Bite Back. And when I was going to Bite Back, I was just going there to get my IT certification because I already have a degree in business. A degree in business and IT, you can start in the city at like 60000 70000 that's not really living, but it's better than poverty living. So I got to bite back and we had two classes. We had to take a bite back class and a career builder class. I took so many career builder classes. I took career builder classes in prison. I came home, I took career builder classes. So I'm like, I don't want to take this damn career building class. I just want to take ITF. But in that class, for some odd reason, there was a lot of us that were in there that were like entrepreneurial type minded. And the teacher was like, we're going to switch this up. You guys want to build a business. We're going to pick the business you want. And then we picked it. And he was like, we're going to 
pitch it like Shark Tank. So we went through the process of getting it ready and pitching it. And we pitched it to the CEO of Biteback, the president of Samaritan Ministries, which was the, the two people who, who did the other part of the, the program, and four or five other people. Then an audience was behind them and they loved it. It was something about that they saw. Well, I know they saw determination. They saw what I have in me. Then they wound up coming to me and offering me a position that gives me money well over the poverty line. Also, the position is basically like a social justice position. So I took it. And today, that's where I sit. I sit with Bite Back, closing the the digital divide. But I also do other stuff. I am in the streets trying to get things right when it comes to the the, 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 the killings of the cops. I, I did a speech one day and I didn't mean to. I just went down to this little town. It was called Winchester. It was small. It was in Shenandoah. This was at, after George Floyd had died. And I saw the George Floyd video and it just hit me hard. And I'm in this little town full of white people, you know, with a small minority of black people. But, you know, and they're protesting downtown. They're screaming Black Lives Matter. And for some reason, I decided I wanted to talk. I opened my mouth, and by the time I got done, it was like 500 people standing in front of me. And we wound up marching to the police station. They wound up blocking and barricading because they thought we were going to riot it. And I'm not trying to go that route, you know. But there were a lot of angry Black people out there, so I did calm them down. Like, we're not trying. I'm not trying to get killed out here today, you know. <laughs> we're in Winchester, you know. But we marched, you know. And it was incredible. You know, I was in the paper after that. This, You notice this thing here on the wall that's actually commemoration from that town i was putting their legislation for uh mark for marking that day because what happened was after that all the towns around us did the same thing they wanted doing marches and stuff you know so you know I, I, my journey is one that continues i'm at a point of where i guess you could say i'm at the middle of the mountain i believe that there's no top when you get to the top you have to keep climbing but it's a good area to be so, you know, that's where I'm at. Good points. Good points. I'm glad to hear about your journey. I definitely had a similar journey. I've been incarcerated before. I've been homeless before. I actually found about found out about the Bite Back program through various journeys of, of seeking assistance from shelters to social services to everything. And it definitely becomes a journey to get yourself together. I'm glad that you're also fighting for social justice. That's awesome. And that journey for you, how, how deep has it go? Has it gone? Do you volunteer for certain things or? Yes, it has gone pretty deep. I have dealt with National Action Network. You know, I, 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 I went to the march that, that they had last time. I'm actually going to go to the march that they're having this year. I wish I had a date. I would put it out there now so people could hear it. But they're having a march this year also with um, Martin Luther King the third, his son will be there. I have, have uh, volunteered with the NAACP, and this is big, but I've also did smaller volunteers, like with smaller groups to where we just go to schools or to community centers or to churches, and we just, they'll have a set of kids there, and we talk, you know, because I can, I can, you know, they look at me and they say, oh, you don't know. I was like, I do know. You've been locked up? Yeah, I've been locked up. You've been locked up? Yeah. You have to eat out a trash can? No. I did. Yeah, okay, I did. Okay, okay. Well, you know about that. You don't know nothing about. Okay, well, let me tell you about some business, you know. So 
I like to go in and, and be able to be an example so they can see that, hey, there's, there's, there's people of the global majority, and I use global majority. I don't use minority because we as Black people are the global majority. Yes. You know, we might be the minority in America, but globally we're the majority, you know. So I show our kids that, hey, listen, the, you know, melanated people, we, we, we're smart and we do things as well. We might not go certain routes that is in front of us, but we can get there. And just because you've been homeless or just because you've been incarcerated or just because you might not get the grades that this other person gets or you might not get the privileges, don't mean that you can't still make it. Exactly. Exactly, because a good example I would use in that sense would be Sean Puff Daddy went to Howard. He dropped out. Look at him now. So yep. that's definitely, yep. definitely yep. a goal. People have to look at the whole journey and not look at the end result. They'll see a whole lot of millionaires or successful people and say, oh, I want to do this or do that. And then they end up going down the wrong road to get there. But there's so many different routes you can take. Like the reason Sean uh, Puff Daddy dropped out was because he decided he wanted to be a manager. He started managing B.I.G. and all that other stuff. Then he started mm -hmm. his own company and blew up. Yep, meanwhile, yep, yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, in that same tone, Jay-Z was a drug dealer. <laughs> he never got in trouble for it, but he says it all the time. He's, he knows he's lucky he never got in trouble for it. And he turned his life around before he did because he understood. He understood there had to be a change somewhere around there. Yes, yes, you know, and, and one thing about that, I'm glad you brought that up, drug dealer, you know, see, we have these systems that set up that lets people think what's bad, what's good, what's not right, what's wrong, right? However, they don't, the part of the system that they do not talk about is what creates that. So if you have a drug dealer, let's say Jay-Z, for instance, and, and let's just say he was pushing, he was uh, sell, selling kilos. Okay, well, maybe if Jay-Z had the opportunity to go to college and take chemistry, and then maybe he would have been using his, his, his skills to turn powder into something else in some type of chemistry thing. But he couldn't because he didn't, wasn't afforded that access, so he used the skills that he had in the game that he can use. And then you're right, he came out and he talked about it. And all God did, he literally told the people, yeah, this is what I did. To get where I'm at, and I didn't get caught, and it, and, 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 and it is what it is. When you get that power, you can say that, you know. And Jay Z was the one like that, P. Diddy as, as well. Education in school is is good, but it's, it's, it's good for one thing or for a specific thing. Education in school is not knowledge, knowledge comes from life, knowledge comes from what you learn in, in, in the aspects of your life, you know. So you can go to Harvard and you can become the president of the United States. That's great. That's great. Or you can just, you know, you can, as black, as black people, go through these hard struggles and still come out and be the president of the United States. Exactly. Yep. So like you were saying, if he would have been in the right environment, he probably could have been the CEO of a pharmacology company rather than a drug dealer which is still a drug dealer. My own experience, I, I say that all the time. Like, you know, the first time I, I saw cocaine base turned into, I mean, cocaine turned into cocaine base. I don't really call it crack because it wasn't mixed with anything. I was, I was astonished. I was like, what? Wow, you put this powder in this water with this baking soda and poof, this rock comes out. 
and I learned it and I became good at it. And it's like, I understood later on, well, that's a skill that I could have used if I was afforded the, the avenues, but you know, the, the school to prison system, that's real, you know, they, that's a real system that's in place that they try to run, you know, kids through. And I went through that system. Fortunately for me, you know, I, I was smart and I understood, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you can see this, but this is, this is a picture. This was when I was incarcerated. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. I was a little swole at that time. I know. <laughs> yeah. See this picture? Yes, sir. This is also when I was incarcerated. Same time. This is called making choices and decisions. I could have been in there doing the same thing that some people were doing. You know, we could be I could still have been selling drugs. I could have still been, you know, prison inside inside prison, as you know, is just like it's just a world inside of a world. So, yeah. you know, I could have, but I decided to make a conscious decision. Said, no, I'm going to come out of this prison on this level because I'm already black. I'm already going to be considered a felon, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and but I want to be like Jay Z. I want to be like Puff Daddy, you know. So I stacked up the cake to try to come out. But the world is hard, yes. You know, and they, when you have that label on you, it, it, it's a big fight. So that's what turns you into trying to do your own businesses and stuff like that. And as the wiser I got, the, the more I realized uh, I need to be in this social justice. So. You know, there's a little more for you. Definitely gives back and gives you a purpose. So my next question addresses, you had mentioned to me before about the STRIVE program. So how did you come across the STRIVE program and how did it impact your life? And can you describe the resources and support you received from Virginia Williams and the IT and career building classes that you took during that time? Yeah, Strive came in with the career builder class. That's that's what the Samaritan Ministries were was were is the um, owners of Strive, which is a career building class, and they created it. Yep, and they were and they were when I did when we did the Shark Tank, and so they also took notice and also came and offered me a speakers guild type thing where I will go out and talk to you know people ten. 11 different things they also offered you know to help them with well speaking again but in front of kids and stuff and so their resources their church christian church a decent one they have they they are open i guess you would say they 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 you know they're not like very conservative they have people of the lgbt community involved in their church and everything so and they're they, they're all about helping you know and the resources that they can give you would be definitely for career building they have a, a lot of resources that comes to resume writing how to spot, you know, the flags when you're going in for interviews, how to get through interviews, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to get a job, that's the place you would go. You would go to Samaria and say, hey, listen, I need to get a job. And they, and they would send you somebody. Jennifer actually would be her name. And she's almost like this New York, Brooklyn militant white lady, but she's so crafty and smart. And she's been in the resources industry so long that she tells you all the ins and outs of, of how they, how you get interviewed, you know, how, you know, when you're going, when they're looking for people for work, the process is elimination, not hire. They know they're going to eliminate. They're waiting to find out when you walk in, how am I going to eliminate you, not hire you? You got to figure out how not to get eliminated. So that is what, what a lot of stuff that I've learned from Samaritan Ministries, just in that amount of, amount of time. Virginia Williams, they were the first people to help me when I was homeless. And that's a story in itself as well. I walked in there and I told them, hey, listen, I don't know where to go. I was a kid. 
and I have nowhere to go. And they were like, oh, well, you have your, you can go to your mom's because you said that your mom can support you. I mean, your mom was the only person you had. And I was like, yeah, she's 76. You know, she's about an hour away. Like, how could that work? You know, so they turned me away. Actually, they said, all right, that's cool. Try it out. And so I left and I called my mother and she was like, what? And so we went and started calling these other places. And this one place that we called, and it's like, an, it's like, I'm not trying to get spiritual on you people, but it was like a lady answered the phone and she was like, no, go back to Virginia Williams, tell them no, tell them you have nowhere to go, tell them that it's going to be 30 degrees out tonight anyway. And once it's that way, they have to come pick you up if you're on the street anyway. So tell them, no, you don't have nowhere to go. Yeah, so I did. And they said, okay. And from there, they, 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 they you know, I went through the process. And that's when they sent me to the Sterling, which was a family home shelter, you know, because I had an autistic child. And great shelter, beautiful. It was brand new. They provided me with a great room. It had its own bathroom. It was, it was like a mini apartment, you know, because I had an autistic child. So they didn't, I could, they, they had bathrooms where you would be assigned to, you can go to, but, you know, trying to deal with bathing her or even me taking a shower while she's not, you know, in the room or something or taking her with me was hard, you know? So, so they took me to, to the Sterling and in the Sterling, that's when I, I met a, a whole resource of, of wonderful people. The Sterling was probably the best center for homeless people with families they helped they helped a lot they gave me all the resources they said oh what do you want and i told them what i wanted and they said okay you do these steps and we'll help you you know so i did the steps and then they introduced me to bite back they they helped me achieve, get the uh, place that I, I live in you know and they have helped furnish it you know so they helped out a lot and then so when they when like i said they got me to bite back and then that's when the ball started rolling once I once I got to bite back from there. So all of these places, if anyone is homeless in in, in DC, you know, first make make that step because they will help. But you just have to do what they say. That's all. If they say go get a form, go get the form. If you can't get the form, call them and say you can't get the form. They'll they'll extend it. One more quick story. I had my daughter now. Remember, I'm a melanated man and, and and before this time, and only have one, one, this is only been one time, y'all. So don't don't be don't be hounding on me, black women. I love y'all. <laughs> my daughter's mom was not black, okay? One time, back to my black queen. So I have this child that's light, and I'm melanated, and we're just split up. We didn't do any of these type of things. So she is she was DC born, so she was born in Howard University. Howard University messed up her birth certificate, right? We never got that fixed. So her birth certificate had her mother's name on it with my last name on it, her name with my last name on it, and not mine. So I had nothing. So Virginia Williams is like, well, you're not you. How do we know? You know, how do we really know if this is your child? You say it's your child. She acts like she comes to you, but she's so small, she could have just got used to you, you know? So throughout the process, it took like two months to do that, but they let me in because I was real with them and I kept in contact with them. And I said, oh, the court dates continued this, you know, so I can't get it in 10 days. And they put it in their computer and they extended it. So, you know, it's just a work relationship. You know, you can get out of the streets, but you got to work with them. 
You know, I mean, I, I'm one to I'm one to to be an example. So my next question for you is: Can you provide some insights into your role as a project coordinator and coach at Biteback? And what kind of work do you engage in? Yes, thank you for asking that. That's a beautiful question. Project coordinator. So, Biteback is a social justice nonprofit organization in 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 its roots. If you go to the website, you'll see the mission is about helping people of color, um, helping divide the digital gap. So the program, the projects that we do are all about that, you know. So as a project coordinator, I basically put together the projects, create timelines, create events that happen for the top, for the project and make sure that the project runs smoothly from beginning to end. This particular project that I'm in now, it's called 360 Digital Navigator Project. And what we're doing is we're taking 10, actually 15 uh kids out of Southeast and a couple of schools from Southeast that are between 15 and 17 and teaching them some digital literacy skills, but they, but they already have computer based skills because the kids that we're taking, they're taking computer skills at school. So we do testing to make sure we do that, but we're teaching them some digital literacy skills and teaching skills so that they can take their skills and we, then we're going to take them into lower facilities like uh, some, so others might Eat, um, like Jubilee Jobs, and they are going to present the, the classes to the older people or the homeless people and help them learn how to, to just, you know, do basic things on the computers, turn them on, use the email, fill out job applications, find resources like SNAP and ACP and stuff. And then if they want to, our goal is to get them up to a level enough to where they can take the basic computer course, which will take them to the intermediate computer course, which will take them to the IT fundamentals basics, and then we can get them into bite back, you know? So that's my role as the project coordinator. You know, I, I, these, these, these projects come along, these and my own that I can create because I'm contracted and part-time, and, well, and not part-time, but it's like a, I don't know, nonprofit is different. If you have a nonprofit <laughs> organization, you know, they don't, it's not like an employee type thing, but um, that's what, that's what I do as a project coordinator. Now, when it comes to the coaching, I got certified in the degrees and 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 I guess it was the fact that that I went in and I took the classes and I was it, it, I, I, I signed up to take the test the, the following day and I passed it and they were like, oh, wow, you passed it and you were the first person to do it, you know, so would you like to help coach other people, you know, and I'm like, sure, you know, I want to because, you know, I want to give what I learned to other people that I think that's what everybody in the world is supposed to do is give what you learn to someone else. And since bite back really focuses on people of color. And I know that personally, because I'm, I'm there and I see most of the people who come in are people of color coming in struggling, but so intelligent and have so much knowledge and has so much like aspiration to go, but just don't have the resources to get there, you know, and, uh, and, by, and as the coaching and tutoring aspects of things, I help people get those resources. So if you can get into the class and you can pass that IT fundamentals class, I can say, look at that person. Let's get her in that, that, that or get him in that C plus. And then we get that C plus. It's like, well, what do you want to do? Would you, you know, you can go work for IT, but you can start here, you know, at $35 an hour, if you like, and just to get a little money in your pocket and still get some IT in your head. And if you want to go to do something for IT, that's great. But, you know, 
we always trying to help in, in, in aspects of every ways. Yes, and as a scholar of uh, the Bite Back program, I do plan on enrolling in all of the programs because that actually was my first major when I came out of high school was information systems. I went through a bit of life and, and kept coming in and out of school. So that was definitely a journey and I'm glad to hear your passion on helping others succeed and I definitely appreciate that. And thank you for sharing that. So based on your personal experiences and the challenges you have overcome, what advice would you give to others who may be facing similar circumstances and are seeking to rebuild their lives and pursue meaningful career opportunities? I tell you what, you got some, you got some beautiful questions. This is great. So the advice that I would give somebody, you know, and, it, and I'm going to start with the, with something that you always hear somebody say, but it, and when you go through it, you realize what they say is right. And that's one, don't, don't give up. You know, there's going to be times where you're going to want to give up. You're going to want to stop doing what you're doing because it seems like what you're doing is not getting you nowhere. Don't give up. Two, stay humble. Oh my God, you have to be humble. If you are humble with what you're doing, I'm not saying meek, I'm saying humble. If you have something that you need to voice strongly, voice it. But when it comes to, you know, your lifespan, you, you know, just stay humble and someone will be there to help. And when someone opens the door, take it. It's a million opportunities. And in your mind, you have to wake up. If I, if, if my advice is, is if you have a whiteboard or if you don't, if you have a piece of paper, write opportunity on it and stick it on your wall, stick it on the, your ceiling. So when you wake up, you see opportunity. And when you walk around, you say to yourself, opportunity. So when somebody opens their mouth, you're waiting to hear the opportunity. Look for opportunities because they're always there. They're in the voice. You just have to hear what the opportunity is or create the opportunity out of the voice. Someone says something to you, create the opportunity. You know, this is, this is the things that I've learned. And everything that you do in your past is your experience. Everything you do, you work in the restaurant industry, take all of that. You know, I've gotten inventory skills from the restaurant industry. I've gotten management skills from the restaurant industry. I've gotten business ownership skills from the restaurant industry. So, you know, whatever you do, if you, if I don't care, if, even if you, even if you've never had a job, you know, but you're good at something, that's a skill. Just remember that. Take all your skills, and when it's time to use them, you'll know and you'll think and you'll recollect. Oh, I learned how to, you know, be better with organizing my computer because I was I had to organize the inventory room in a, in a restaurant. And how tedious is that? You know, I'll take that tediousness and add it to here. And, you know, so never feel un, you know, that, you're, that you can't do something. If you can't do something, you just find somebody else and talk to them to do it. You know, I don't want to run on and on because I can give a, 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 a thousand one things, but those are the key things. Definitely be humble. Don't give up. Keep going because it will turn over for you. Listen to people. Listen to the opportunity that comes out and create, create the opportunity. That's one thing that we don't do. You have to wake up and you have to plan your day or you plan it the day before. And in that you plan something that you create. I don't care if you say I'm going to create a task list, create it, get in the habit of creating. You're creators. We're creators. That's why we're here. 
you know, when I'm, we're on here to Zoom, somebody created that, you know, that's what we do. So you keep that mentality and you and you and that's how you get it. And then the last thing I want to say is that look out for Erica. <laughs> she is a beast. I, I met this woman as a, she's a student and um, I'm so impressed with her, you know. Her knowledge is, is 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 impeccable. You know, she she comes in all the time. She's determined. She has this podcast. So you know, I'm a, this is great, and I'm giving you the prop. Kudos to you because you're doing it. You know, you're taking the steps. You know, and you know, I can't wait until, you know, we see you all over the the the, the podcast world and everything else that you're going to be doing. Yes, sir. I do have one more question for you, but the piggyback off of what we just said into the being humble but not meek is be respectful when you're talking and listening to people and practice active listening. So don't, when you're hearing somebody talking to you, don't think about what you need to say next or start thinking about how you're going to react to what they're saying. Sit there and actually process what they're saying to you. Receive what they're saying to you and yes, try yes. to understand and and digest what they're saying to you because a lot of times people get defensive when somebody's trying to give you positive advice. They're not trying to beat you down. They're not trying to hold you back. They're literally trying to just give you advice based on their own experiences. And the first yep. thing out of your mouth would be, well, you don't know my life or whatever might be your defensive mechanism and you didn't even hear what they said fully you didn't so they have to actually fully. repeat the whole conversation because you weren't even listening and even when they repeat it you still aren't listening because your brain will stop processing as soon as you start trying to think of a comeback as soon as you start trying to think and as you're trying to think of a comeback you're missing the point or you're missing mm -hmm. what the individual says you're absolutely right we I, I don't know what that is we 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 carry our feelings so hard on our back and it's like if somebody says something to us the first thing we want to do is attack and accept you know it, it hey it might feel a little hurtful it might be a little tough you know put on that tough skin if the judge tells you something what do you say the judge says to you i'm sentencing you to 10 years or if you want to make it sound even worse 360 blah blah months because my time was federal you know do you say fuck so this is a podcast. <laughs> right? yeah. You say, F you, judge. I'm not yes. going to take that. Let me tell you why. No, mm -hmm. you don't. You sit there and you, and, you, and you bow your head. You probably already, you know, well, I mean, I didn't bow my head, but you sit there and you take it, you know? You know, so I'm just saying sometimes you, when you, when you do, when you know that you can take it, that, put that in when somebody's talking to you so you can hear them because that is very critical. That was one of the most critical things that you said. We need to hear the other person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people really don't because they're just processing what they know, think they know, and they don't want to hear anything else. They're just stuck in that. So my last yep. question for you is what is one key insight, mindset shift or habit change that you believe has been instrumental in your journey? And how can listeners apply this wisdom to their own unique wealth building journey? Okay. You did your homework. Let's say, I, I would say to be like openly, like to be, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm conscious about your consciousness daily. So like understand that 
things are going to come into your head. That doesn't control you. When they come in, you consciously deal with it. The thought process comes in your head, consciously deal with it. Don't just let it pop up. Oh, I'm hungry and I'm going to eat, you know, or, oh, I got to go do something and you go do it, you know, or, oh, I feel bad and it happens. No, these thoughts are going to come to you. My process, what I do, and I still do it now, is I consciously coerce with them. I know people say, oh, you're talking to yourself. It's not. You need to consciously focus on that because things come in every day. The work, the United States is set up for us to obey. We get in our cars and, and, our, and it says drive this fast. It says stop. It says go. It says you want to take this exit, go that way. And if you're not consciously dealing with that, you're doing it. You're stopping. You're going. You're taking that exit. And when you get out of your car, you get into your job, you're listening. You're listening. You're doing what they say you do. But you're not consciously taking what you're saying. Someone tells you what to do. You can say, okay, I'm going to take that in. Now, let's see the skills that I have to do that. Oh, I got that from here. So I can do that. But let's think, should I do that? This guy can do that even faster. Oh, let me call this person. You know, be conscious. That's the most biggest thing I could say to somebody. Don't just wake up and think that this is the world. Oh, that's just the way the world is. No, it's not just the way the world is. You know, that's just the way the world is coming in your head and you consciously fight it on a daily basis. Yeah, I like the word that is being self-aware. A lot of people Thank aren't. You. Yeah, a lot of people aren't very self-aware of how they're talking to themselves. Like you said, they'll hear they'll hear me talking to myself because I am consciously making the decision, the change, the narrative that's going on in your head. Everybody is always talking to themselves. It might not be out loud, but your brain is processing things in a certain way. It'll say something to you, and a lot of people just go with it because they think, everything that pops in their head, they have to just go with, but that's not the case. You mm -hmm. control that. It's your brain. Just like, yep. just like the women who say, oh, he, he's messing with my, what is it? Self something. I forget what it is, but it's like, okay. that's what it is. And he messed up my self-esteem. It's called self-esteem. Like Cat Williams did. I'm not going to say all the words he said, cause he put cuss words in there, but it's <laughs> called self esteem it's right. how you feel about yourself That's has right. nothing to do with anybody else That's if right. you're letting somebody else's perception of you if you're letting somebody else's actions towards you affect how you feel about yourself that's still your choice you're making yes. that decision to let all of that affect you when really yes. you could just brush it off As meanwhile a lot of people thinking brushing something off is being a punk or or whatever they might describe it as but it's not it's actually a form of self-love to sit to have somebody call you out your name or whatever and for you to brush it off and keep moving that's a form of self-love i'm not gonna waste my energy even getting mad at somebody who's already mad with their self to the point that they feel like they have to come at me that way when you start mm -hmm. looking at stuff that way it changes your whole perception of life when you realize yes. that other people are might be treating you some type of way because mm -hmm. how they feel about their self and it really mm -hmm. has nothing to do with you, it can change your whole perception of the world. Yes, that are you married? <laughs> it's so so true. Everybody, I won't say everybody. So many people, when they wake up, they live their life based on what other people think of them. 
and 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 so if they are if no one is around they're feeling one way if people are if they have a bunch of friends or people are, are praising them they feel if, if someone's always telling them they're pretty they think they're always pretty if someone's always telling them they're ugly they think they're always ugly wake the people who don't think like that are pretty when they're ugly are ugly when they're pretty i don't judge anybody and i and no judgment and i don't care what you look like but my man, Little Wayne, you know, but uh, you know, but Little Wayne's a lion, right? And Little Wayne think Little Wayne is what he is, and since Little Wayne thinks what Little Wayne is, the girls, the women think Little Wayne is what Little exactly. Wayne is. Exactly, he has a high self-esteem of himself, and he portrays exactly. that, and he gives that energy out to the world, and it's received that way. Then the yep. same thing with all of these beautiful women out here they step out with all of this stuff i'm not gonna bag on makeup or anything like that because i like makeup i don't wear it on a regular basis but okay. there's certain things there's certain people that use all that stuff to make themselves look beautiful on the exterior because on the interior they feel terrible and then when yeah. you go talk to them you get that same feeling from them. You get that same energy from them. All of the negativity that is within you is still going to come out no matter how beautiful you look on the exterior. Yes, and that's about brings up another point. Don't hang around people that's going to bring you down. And they, and like you said, it doesn't make a difference what they look like because you're right. When we grew up, you know, it was better to be not wear a lot of makeup than it is to wear makeup. Nowadays, there's straight TikTok videos where they show someone no makeup on and like, hey, look at me now. And people are like, oh, you look great now. But I'm like, okay, you look great now, but you won't look, if I don't think you look great when we wake up because this is what you look like. Exactly. Then why, you know, you're, you're, you're faking yourself out. One, two, let's back it up a little bit. You shouldn't care about what I think. You should care about what you think. And as long as you care about what you think, either I'm going to like it or I'm not going to like it, you know. But yes, I, I agree with you. You know, makeup is good and makeup makes people look beautiful. But I I always thought makeup should be an enhancer to what you're wearing. Wear a little bit of makeup here, a little bit of makeup there to enhance the beauty that you already have. Because we say ugly, but really everybody's beautiful. They're just beautiful in their own ways. Some might not like some. Some might not like the other, but somebody likes somebody. I, exactly. I, always, There's somebody for everybody, as my grandma would always, say. Always. You always see, see the, the person that, that you would say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm lonely, and they're in a relationship, you know, because they're beautiful to each other. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's just really, like you said, perception, and don't let other people's perception be your perception. Perceive, but at the same time, when you go when you go to talk to somebody just automatically assume that they don't know anything so you can give out as much information that you can and if they do know it that's great and if they don't then you give them something well thank you for your time and i appreciate you coming on the podcast today you can find links to the bite back program to strive to the samaritan and to all of the various resources that we mentioned in this podcast today in the description below and make sure you follow up for the next episode next week. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you. It was a pleasure coming on. I appreciate it. All right, bye-bye.